Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. At Mint Mobile, we like to do the opposite of what Big Wireless does. They charge you a lot, we charge you a little. So naturally, when they announced they'd be raising their prices due to inflation, we decided to deflate our prices due to not hating you. That's right. We're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. And welcome to 31 Days of Terror 2023, day number 31. And I have three spooky stories for you today. And the last story today comes from June the 22nd, 2023. And story number one comes from M. I've always been able to see things, kind of. Mostly shadow people in the corner of my eye, which I chalked up to my imagination. Until I realise I only see them in certain places and it doesn't matter if it's day or night or dark. If I'm in a particular place where I see these shadows, I see them any time I'm there. I've had a couple of experiences where I've heard my name but no one is around or the feeling of someone watching me or something about to grab me. The university I went to is notorious for ghost stories such as a nun who died in a fire back in the late 1800s or early 1900s and I have felt a presence in the hallway where she was killed and my friend who works security at night has even seen her walk across a doorway. The university was also part of the Underground Railroad, so that also adds to a lot of the urban legends and ghost stories tied to the school. The scariest experience I ever had was in 2020, when I was working in the daycare run by the university. I was working alone in one of the separate buildings we have at the daycare. All the children had left for the day, so I was doing closing chores and I saw movement in my peripheral vision. I look over to see a child with their head peeking around the corner and an unnatural smile with blank eyes looking back at me. It was only for a second, but it was long enough to scare me half to death. It's a small building, so I quickly checked to make sure one of the kids had not been missed and I was truly alone. The other thing off was that the child was close to the ceiling, and there is nothing for a person to climb on to get that high in that building, as it is only used for the daycare. I was working with the older kids but my tallest one was still only four foot. I convinced myself that I was just being paranoid and that I hadn't actually seen anything, mainly because I still had to work in that building every day. I'd almost forgotten about it when my cousin messaged me almost a year ago and asked if I remembered seeing that demon child, as we had called it, at my daycare. She went on to tell me that at her work, she had seen a child with their head peeking around a bathroom stall door in the mirror as she washed her hands. No feet or anything, just a face. The description she gave was the same as mine, and when she turned around, nothing was there. She mentioned it to a co-worker and she said that she had seen a little boy in that same bathroom but didn't see his face. He stood in the corner with his back to her. She jumped and by the time she looked again, he was gone. Also, an interesting thing to note is that I am in Wisconsin and my cousin lives in Indiana. We haven't seen it again and haven't heard any reports of anyone else seeing the child, 
but either way it's definitely something my cousin and I never want to see again. Oh um, that is traumatising. That visual of the child peeking around the corner but really high up with an unnatural smile and black eyes. Stop. Hollywood where are you? We need to get like real life ghost stories people together and just be like Hollywood these are the people whose brains you need to pick for your next horror movies okay. I mean is it the actual ghost of a child that just happens to be in that daycare part of the building or is it the energy of all those little children in the daycare that is attracting the ghost of an actual child rather than anything terrifying and demonic but I don't know how it would be up towards the ceiling peeking around the door at you that's hideous and these sort of childlike entities are seen quite regularly like it's interesting that your cousin had a similar experience in Indiana and saw something similar and then their colleague saw something standing in the corner I personally don't prescribe to this idea that is popular among paranormal communities that you know demons can present themselves as small children I just don't think the demons would have the time if they existed to be doing shit like that or would be bothered I think they'd have bigger targets but that doesn't make them any less scary and if they really are child entities like stop being so scary just be I don't know cute or something or non-existent and story number two comes from Karen I'm prompted to write this after listening to episode 241 entitled The Family In that episode, the writer describes being engulfed in the perfume of a deceased relative. The premier scent, Este, by Este Lauder. My mother, too, wore this scent, and it brings back many memories. However, this is not about my mother, but rather her cat, and quite a different type of scent. My mother had two cats. One was very cherished and affectionate, while the other just wandered like a shadow in the background of the household, satisfied to begrudgingly live alongside humans. My mother's cherished cat pass at a very elderly age, after which she turned her attention to the other reclusive elderly cat, Elsie. As Elsie adjusted to my mother's attention, she grew to be my mother's constant companion, even lying next to her, as my mother passed from this life at 93. Upon my mom's passing, Elsie became my roommate. Once Elsie moved in and decided that my litter boxes were up to her high standards and that she would fully avail of herself in them, She and I lived in an uneasy truce. It had been many years since I had had a cat, but had had many in the past, all sweet and affectionate felines. Elsie, however, definitely had her own ideas on how things were to be done and definitely thought that sweetness, affection and cooperation were optional. She would follow me about the house loudly complaining to the management if something was not to her liking until I fixed it. She would deign to sit beside you in the evening, but never on you unless you were trying to sleep, which I believe she took as a direct insult to her presence. If you had the audacity to pet her, she would give you a disgusted look and then get up and walk away. And her grooming was... Well, let's just say it, she stank. Dingleberries knew no greater friend. She was a long-haired cat and refused to be groomed or to groom herself. But despite her catankerous and stinky ways... I grew to love her and respect her rebellious nature. She was one of a kind. At 22, Elsie began to suffer and it was time. I spoke to her quietly as she passed from this life to the next. I was devastated to lose her and went into a dark funk. One morning, about two weeks after Elsie's passing, I was lying in bed, 
dreading facing another day when suddenly something jumped on the bed. I could feel the presence of little feet walking up the quilt. I heard a small, single caterwaul, and there was Elsie, brushed and beautifully groomed, moving with grace and youth towards me while slowly fading away. It was beautiful. And after that, my spirits lifted. For weeks, I continued to talk to Elsie, letting her know how glad I was that she was whole and well, and to thank her for visiting me. But Elsie had one more surprise left for me. Weeks later, while tidying up, I paused. Something was not right. What was that sudden stench? Catch it. Yes, Elsie was back for one last goodbye and to remind me of her true rebel nature and I laughed. Oh, Elsie is a woman after my own heart, a cat after my own heart and soul because I love a rebellious, cantankerous, non-cooperative cat. And it sounds like she was an amazing companion to both your mother and to you, despite the fact that she had been that background cat, as there are many cats that are like that, where they're like, I will live in your house and I will avail of your services, but I am not your friend, okay? She sounds like she was absolutely amazing. And I'm so glad she came back to tell you that she was okay, and that she came back beautiful and groomed and younger and gorgeous. And then obviously... Couldn't leave it like that. No, no. Had to come back later in the smell of cat shit, which is a really, truly horrendous smell. Because that's what cats do. They always have to have the last laugh, the upper hand, the upper paw, as it were. Bloody loved this story. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash spoken today. Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. How to get 30, 30, how to get 30, how to get 20, 20, 20, how to get 20, 20, how to get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month? So Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. And our final story today comes from Sarah. My name is Sarah, and I'm writing this because in a previous episode, you said you were interested in sleep paralysis. I won't share my thoughts on what happened to me because truthfully, I don't know. Before I start, I will say that I had undiagnosed bipolar type 1 disorder, but I had this throughout all of this story, even when it stopped, so make of that what you will. Let the fun begin. I'm no more than nine, tucked up asleep in my childhood bedroom. I imagine I was dreaming of nonsense things like toys and games, but these dreams were soon shattered. Alert and awake, I jump up in bed, look down to the end. My foot is uncovered and a hand is grasping it. It squeezes, tighter and tighter, long fingers wrap around my skin, and all I can see of its reach is an arm stretching out from the side of my bed closest to the wall. Without thinking, I pull my feet up, 
took my head under the covers and breathed. First fast, without room for the gasps that still are in my throat. I knew it, my childhood self thought. I knew this house was haunted. A Victorian build, some hundred or so years old, where wind slammed against the windows, rattling them and seeping through its edges, where radiators battled against English winters, the heat doing little more than warming our clothes before school. Terraced so every sound of my neighbours crept through the walls, the bang of the door, the rumbles of a TV, and once the mad cries of an old man driven insane by the death of his son. He thought my mom a witch and tried to burn down our house, as in the past men watched witches cry at the stake. My brother had warned me the house was haunted, would play games where I was locked in a dark room, sat in the middle on the harsh carpet, too afraid to turn on the light, knowing eyes were watching me from the corners. Then there was me. Outgoing and popular, excited by every haunting tale, no matter how they kept me awake at night. Which brings me to the night I floated. Two girls joined me in my room. Giggling, we watched an old horror film before I flung myself into bed and they settled down in sleeping bags on the floor. I do not know many details of this tale. I don't remember what they said to be true. But as the lights went dim and sleep began to close their lids, they were jolted by my screams. Turn on the light, one cried to the other. Upright in no more than a second and across the room and less, shaking fingers flipped the switch. They looked to my bed where I cry out and flail my arms, lifted from the mattress, my eyes still closed as I levitated in front of them. At first they froze, looked to each other and then rushed across the room to shake me awake. I leaped out of bed and whispered, don't tell anyone, and then fled to my parents' bedroom in the attic. So the story goes, a story I don't remember. Some years later, I did what all teenage girls did in the early 2000s. I sat in front of my computer and flicked through pages of demons, judging them and wondering which one I would want to speak with. I don't remember which I settled upon. I just remember the flicker of the candles, despite the light in my room still bright above me. I read the words aloud, the ones they said would summon a demon to grant our wishes. I felt tense, excited yet scared eager yet telling myself to stop. I didn't stop. I continued reading until the light in the room was no more. I sprinted across the room and turned the light on as quickly as something else had turned it off. No more of that, I said to myself, shutting down the computer and settling in for a restless sleep. That's when it started. The slender black shadow of seven foot at least visiting me in my dreams. My memory falters on all the stories, but I do have some to share. It's too hot, my then boyfriend complained. The radiator at the head of your bed, great idea. I moved it because you whined about it being too cold at night. It's after one in the morning, we can't shift it around now. He flung his pillow to the end of the bed before shuffling to drop his head down on it and roll over. Well, move it in the morning, he sighed before closing his eyes. I did the same. Honestly, it was too hot. The only reason the radiators were still on in the cusp of summer was because of my mom's intolerance to the cold. It wasn't long before I was asleep and it took even less time for the black shape to appear in the corner of my room. It kept to the shadows despite it being no more than a shadow itself. Lingered at the edge of my bed while I tried to move and tried to ask for help. 
It moved without delay, upon me faster than I could blink, in that fitful way we do in sleep paralysis, where the room is ours yet drenched in a grey mist. Its hands wrapped around my throat, and I looked up into nothingness, no face, no eyes to show enjoyment in its task. Tighter they held for only minutes later to relinquish its grasp. It struck me then, hard across the face, before pushing its sly fingers down on my chest, again depriving me of adequate air. I woke screaming, jumped across my boyfriend and ran to the light. He shot up and looked over at me. What did you do? he accused, glancing down at my bare chest. My eyes soon dipped down and there, across my collarbone, was a handprint in blood, fingers too long to be human, palm skeletal in its mark. My eyes widened in horror and instinctively I pushed my hand to my nose. Blood. My nose was bleeding. I rushed into the bathroom where I grabbed a handful of toilet paper and stuffed it under my nose. In the mirror I inspected my handprint. It wasn't mine. I placed my hand upon it to be sure. My hand was much smaller, my boyfriend's much wider. I took a deep breath and with a washcloth cleaned the blood from my chest. I didn't sleep that night, nor the nights that followed. I felt safer with short naps while there was still daylight streaming through the windows. Years later, the shadow has become a constant companion, visiting me almost nightly, the same figure in the corner of my room, watching as I groaned and tried to roll myself out of bed. But this night, it showed a new side of itself. I dreamt of the local shopping centre. I wandered around the storefronts, peering inside at the clothes and jewellery for sale. A carousel was in front of me, and as I approached I saw a small boy, too young to be alone. Are you lost? I asked, leaning down so my head was near his own. Yes, he said, looking up at me with large brown eyes. I took in his attire, more suited to a time gone by than now, when little boys wore t-shirts and jeans. He wore a blue blazer and grey shorts that reached below his knee. Atop his dark hair was a cap, blue to match his blazer. Let's find your parents. I took his hand and led him through the mall, asking intermittently if he could see them anywhere around us. No, he'd only say, his cold hand in my own. The bright lights of the mall faded into grey and without warning I was lying in my bed, my eyes shifted around the room and he was there. The child stood in the corner of my room, his cap casting shadows across his face. He moved slowly, as though he too was curious how he ended up here. First, he explored my dresser, then turned back to the bed. He inched closer until I could no longer see him, only feel him at the end, his hands pressed down on the blanket with a weight heavier than you'd think of a child's. Laughter, gleeful as though playing with friends, but echoing like it came from a place far from where I slept. The pressure receded, and in its place came stillness. Is he gone? I thought, unable to speak, unable to move. Then I saw him, on hands and knees crawling back to the corner where he sat, arms wrapped around his legs, head tucked down. Slowly his limbs lengthened, reaching out into the room until they faded into blackness. His torso arose upwards, with it his head which now was that of the shadow. It laughed, deeper, 
I took in a gasp of air, my chest tightening as I watched until in front of me the boy was no more and only the shadow remained, its head tilted as though curious of my reaction. Eyes, had it had any, set on me. Did you enjoy the joke? I imagined it would say. I tried to move my fingertips, opened and closed my mouth in an attempt to scream. He was standing now, stretching upwards and upwards, his long limbs starting their mission of moving towards me. In a second, my door burst open, and in ran my cat. I was awake, the room no longer dusted over with a sleep paralysis curtain. Leo jumped on my bed, stood on my chest and purred. Thank you, I muttered into his fur, wrapping my arms around him. By this time, I was in a new relationship, my old one flittering out as relationships sometimes do. We were long distance, he an American in the Navy, and me a girl in a small English village. It didn't stop us from visiting though, and we saw each other as frequently as the law would allow. He was stationed in Hawaii, and I was going for my first visit, lucky me, right? It was amazing, the food, the people, and all I had to do was relax at home while he was away at work. I'd taken to sleeping during the late morning. After waking with him at 4.30am to prepare breakfast and kiss him goodbye, I'd shuffle back beneath the sheets and sleep for hours. It was one of those dreams. My boyfriend returning home from work, dressed in his uniform, and coming to me in the bedroom. He smiled at me, alluring, and I grinned back. He crept on top of me, placing kisses on my forehead and then my neck. I reached my hand down to stroke his hair, but felt it slip through nothingness. I glanced around the room, aware now that I couldn't move any other part of my body. A head lifted into my view, faceless and black as a starless night. I tried to scream, realising that this was not my boyfriend, but the shadow once again coming to me as something else. It ended quickly, gone before I could think to try and throw myself from the bed. This was the first and last time it came to me any place outside of my childhood room. My boyfriend was aware of my sleep paralysis, having comforted me when I finally came out of that threatful sleep. He'd had enough. Enough of shaking me awake while I groaned beside him, of finding me, eyes wide, clinging to him in the light of the moon after I'd dragged the curtain open to get some light, any light, after I'd been visited. We were taking a trip to York, and although neither of us are religious, we of course wanted to witness the beauty of the cathedral. If you've never been to York in England, I recommend it highly. Haunted as it is beautiful, it's a place I can return to time and time again. After wandering the vast building and listening to ethereal music, we headed into the gift shop. I'm getting you one of these, he said, holding up rosary beads. What do I want with them, I asked, not having the slightest idea of how they were supposed to protect me. I don't know, hold them, wear them, sleep with them, it might work. While there, I also picked up a card with the Lord's Prayer and armed with them, we returned home. Weeks passed slowly while my now fiancé was apart from me. I slept, I had sleep paralysis and I existed in a haze, watching the days tick by until we could be together again. Then after one night of particularly bad sleep paralysis, I placed the rosary beads and the Lord's Prayer beside my pillow before I fell asleep. It wasn't long until I was in the grey mist of sleep paralysis. The room looked as it always did, duller and empty of life. He came to me that night, but something was different. He moved with urgency, his limbs fading in and out of view as he dropped himself down beside my bed. This was different, 
Something was wrong. I tried to roll from the bed, scream for help. He grasped my hands, holding them tight, his long fingers tight against my wrist. You're mine, it said. I had never heard it speak before, not an utterance, only laughter. His voice was oddly human, deep and wise. Like he could tell me all the secrets of this place, but instead he spoke only to claim me as his possession. When I finally woke, I rolled over to my rosary beads and prayer card. I lifted the beads, intending to hold them tight and pray anything. They were broken. The necklace pulled apart. I cried then, gripping them still and reading the words of the Lord's Prayer. This continued for months, until everything changed. My grandma came to me in a dream and handed me a book. In here, she said, is his name. The book was filled with countless names, but its pages flipped and turned without my fingers to guide them. It landed on a page and the name was not one I could understand, written in that way that dreamlike writing is, a nonsense of symbols and letters. In the dream I returned to my bed and, without fail, the shadow came. It stood again in its corner as though that was its access to this world before creeping towards my bed. I could feel it beside me, breath without a mouth, drifting over my cheek. I know your name, I said, as insistent as I could muster. I know your name. From the other side of me I heard whispers, frantic and growing in volume. Isaiah, it said, over and over again. Or was it Isaiah? I couldn't be certain, but I spoke it anyway. My volume soon matching that of the whispers until it was gone. The shadow had left. When I woke, I text my fiancé, terrified is an understatement. What had just happened? Whose were those voices? Did my grandma really come to me? My messages were frantic as I typed out what I thought the name to be. Soon after, my fiancé called me and I slept with him on the phone. No sleep paralysis, no shadow. And it never came again. A few years later, I now lived in the USA, not in Hawaii, but South Georgia, where the humidity was suffocating. I was browsing YouTube when I came across a live. It was a paranormal investigation. Awesome. I watched it eagerly when something the host said caught my attention. We need to know its name. I don't know why I hadn't thought about doing this before. Maybe it was the way in which things ended. I wanted to put that period of my life to rest. But now, so far removed from the sleep paralysis and the demons it brought with it, I quickly typed on my keyboard. I say a... Bible demon name I wrote. This led me to Lilith, a night demon mentioned in the book of Isaiah. Isaiah 34, 13-15, the night demon Lilith, evil and rapacious, will establish permanent quarters. And down a path where I learned more of that which haunts us in the night. I realise now that I didn't know its name, but I knew of its kind. And Lilith, we meet again. Lilith, um, I think I did a Patreon episode about Lilith before. Lilith is a really interesting character. And she is a female demonic figure of Jewish folklore. And the story goes that Lilith is either the mother of the offspring that Adam had after his separation from Eve. Or... She is often described as the woman that was made of the same soil as Adam 
said to be Adam's first wife, but she refused to be subservient to her husband and left the Garden of Eden. And the angels tried to make her go back and she was like, absolutely not. I'm not going to be subservient to any man. And the demon Lilith was born. It is likely that her story and her character is much more nuanced than that. But that's the kind of basic gist of it. And I think in demonology, she's a very interesting character. And when I say demonology, I mean actual demonology, like the study of demons as they are depicted in folklore and old religious texts, etc. Not the kind of Zach Bagan school of demonology. I think she's a very interesting character and she is depicted as a night demon, a night hag. And Sarah, I, like your story is so interesting and it's a story again that makes me want to mention which I mention all the time the documentary The Nightmare which is all about sleep paralysis which you can get on YouTube it's available to watch on YouTube which talks a lot about sleep paralysis and what sleep paralysis does to people and the weirdness of sleep paralysis that maybe it's not as simple as it being sleep paralysis and our brains sort of you know reacting to things before we've fully woken up, etc. I'm loath to make a definitive comment on this for two reasons. Firstly, because I don't want to delegitimize what you went through. I don't want to say what you went through was definitely paranormal either, because as you said yourself, you were then later diagnosed with bipolar type 1. And I don't want to also say that everything was because you had bipolar type 1, because that's not fair either. I don't know, is the answer. I don't know what happened to you and I'm really glad that whatever was happening to you that it has stopped because I don't know how you how you cope with knowing you're going to have sleep paralysis every night whatever your take on it is whether you think it's sleep paralysis whether you think it's paranormal it doesn't matter if you know that you're going to bed at night and you are going to be terrified out of your mind that's I just don't I don't know how people do it I I honestly don't know how people do it and hats off to all your sleep paralysis sufferers out there because, listen, it can't be bloody easy. Thank you so much for listening to the final episode of 31 Days of Terror 2023. It's been a marathon, but we got there. Thank you to M, Karen and Sarah for rounding off this year's 31 Days of Terror. Remember, the last story came from June the 22nd, 2023. And if you would like to send your story in, you can do so by emailing it to reallifeghoststoriespodcast at gmail.com. You can also check out the website reallifeghoststoriespodcast.com. And if you are desperate for some extra spooky content, you can subscribe to the Patreon. That is patreon.com forward slash stories, where for $5 a month or $2 a month, you get access to heaps of extra content, as well as every single main and mini episode ad free. Have an amazing Halloween to everyone out there who is celebrating Halloween. Happy Samhain. I hope that you're safe. I hope that you enjoy it. I hope all of my witchy people out there are doing all their witchy shit today. And I hope that you've had the most wonderful and the most perfect spooky season. And on that note, I shall see you next time. Hello, this is Danny Pellegrino, host of the Everything Iconic podcast. And I'm here to tell you all about Splash Refresher because hydration is mandatory, but boring is not. Now, I love my water, but if I don't spice it up, I'm not going to finish what I took out of the fridge. That's why I love my Splash Refresher, which is flavorful, delicious, bright, hydrating, and zero calories. The wild berry flavor is my fave. No, wait. Is the pineapple mango flavor my fave? You know what? All five craveable Splash Refresher flavors are my fave because they're so delicious. 
So get hydrated and enjoy it with Splash Refresher. 